Hello, welcome to the Thoughts from a Page podcast. This is Cindy Burnett, and I love to talk about books. Today's episode is my 50th, and to celebrate that milestone, I am doing a special interview. I am speaking with one of my favorite book friends, Heather Caliendo. Heather runs bookclubchat.com, a site dedicated to all things book clubs. She enjoys reading contemporary fiction, historical fiction, women's fiction, select thrillers and mysteries, and also some memoirs and nonfiction. With Book Club Chat, she has combined her love for reading fiction and her experience as a journalist to write book club questions, reviews, and conduct author Q&As. I also wanted to let everyone know that I just posted my book holiday gift list under the blog tab on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. If you are looking for book recommendations for the people on your list, you should check it out. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, Heather. I'm so excited to speak with you today. How are you? Hi, Cindy. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, too. I have been really looking forward to our discussion and letting everyone else that's not already familiar with you learn more about Book Club Chat. Great. Well, yeah, I'm happy to share. So Book Club Chat is a website dedicated to book clubs. I I focus on writing original book club questions and also write reviews and also book lists. So lists that show various books that will be a good fit for book clubs because something that I've found as I've done book club chat for about two years is that not every book is a book club book, (laughs) even though the publisher might think so. There are some books that really lend themselves better for a discussion more so than others. So that's part of it. And then also author Q&As. That's so interesting that you say that about not every book being a book club book, because that's something I've also found. We started an online book club with our salon, which you've participated in a couple of times. And some books really lend themselves to a big discussion and others really don't. And it's a bit of a trial and error, but I also look to you a lot of times to see which books you have written up to kind of see, okay, there's a lot of questions for this one and there's maybe not quite as many questions for this one. So that's such an interesting thought. Oh, well, yeah. Thank you for, of course, visiting the site. Uh, yeah, there, there's some when I, I read them and I think, oh my gosh, how am I even going to get to 10 questions? Because that's kind of my metric of you get to at least 10 questions. And then there's other ones where I feel there could be 20 questions. So it really just depends on the story. I feel that maybe thrillers are kind of pretty cut and dry with it, that there's not especially if it gets into that psychological thriller, it's more, did you expect this to happen? There's not really a lot to really dig in there, but really with literary fiction, contemporary and historical fiction, I think you can really kind of get more in depth with those genres. I agree completely. Unless there's a thriller that has some kind of, like The Last Flight, we did that and that was probably the best discussion we've had so far. But I think there's a lot of extra stuff in that thriller. But I think most of the time you're right, they're pretty cut and dry. It's the same idea. The story arc doesn't very too much. And so they're a lot harder to have lengthy discussions about for book club. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. Last flight was good. Oh, I wish I could join that one. Oh, I would have loved to, to hear because that one. Was, that one's really good. It was really good. It'll definitely be on my top 10 list for the year. And I just recommend it to people all the time. But yes, we really did have such an interesting, long discussion about that versus when we've tried other mysteries, this sort of pulling teeth. Okay. What can we talk about next? Well, how did you get started with book club chat? 
So my background is in journalism. And for my day job, I I work for a very technical publication and so very scientific content. And I've always loved to read and always have been very proficient in reading and reading several books a month. And I think it was just kind of came up from a conversation with my husband that might be something fun to do to have a little more creative writing and kind of combining my background in journalism with the questions because I always really liked book club questions. I've been in book clubs in the past, but I always would just read the questions even if I wasn't in a book club. And I, I don't know, something about it I just always really enjoyed. And uh, yeah, so it kind of came from there. And my husband set up the site for me. And you know, definitely been a lot of trial and error about what works and what doesn't work. But it's been it's been good. It's been a really good journey. And I I really do have a lot of fun writing the questions. Do you get book clubs who follow you? So they pick their books based on the questions, the books you decide to pick questions for? How does that work? So what I get mainly is that usually they've already decided on a book and that they'll email me and say, hey, could you do questions for this? So it might not be a book that was on my radar or one that I heard of, but hadn't planned to read. I think the probably the biggest example that's happened this year was with Untamed which is the Glennon Doyle. It's not a book that I normally would read. And of course I saw all the publicity with it, but it's just not really, I don't read a lot of, I don't really read a lot of nonfiction. I don't really read a lot of, I guess kind of self-help, but I kept getting requests from different book clubs that I thought, okay, I got to do this one. (laughs) It was just one that I was sometimes on the fence about if I really don't know if I want to read it. But then when I was getting several, that's when I decided to do it. I'm glad I did because it, it was good to read a different type of book. But it's a bit more, they'll reach out to me and say, hey, could you do questions for this? So yeah, I think they kind of get, they kind of follow a lot what the celebrities want to read. There's really a big group that follow what Reese Witherspoon picked. So I noticed that one. When she picks, people will ask if I'm going to do questions for. And I don't always, it just kind of depends on the book because sometimes it's just the TBR is out of control. And sometimes you think, well, I don't know if I want to fit in this one (laughs) or not. So it it does vary, but I do try, if anyone reaches out, I I usually try to read it because I think, oh, it's cool. Someone reached out and wants to do questions. I still get excited about it. So, Well, yeah, I mean, that's great if somebody's saying, okay, we love your questions and we'd definitely like to have you do them for a particular book. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So that's that's pretty good. I do try to do book lists where I, I try to say these are books that I think would make for a good book club read and everything. But yeah, ma- mainly it's people reaching out for questions. That, that's usually my interaction with book clubs. Because the other posts that you do, you do book reviews, but then you also will do kind of these are great book club books for the month of November post also, right? Yes, yes. So I do one big yearly post, which I'm actually putting together the 2021 list now, and I hope to get it out soon. And so I'm trying to narrow that a bit. So it's, the list isn't too, too huge, but I like to do the monthly as well, because there's just so many books out there. And I had that big list of the 2020. And I thought, gosh, I just missed so many books on here, but you just can't have a list with 200 books. So I thought, you know, maybe getting these monthly books and make sure there's these are, are getting recognized too. And just letting people know that these are ones that could be a good fit. And a lot of times it's maybe repeat authors too, you know, they, they kind of say, well, you're familiar with this author. If you like this one that they wrote, you'll probably also like this one as too. But I also try to find ones that are a bit under the radar as well. So I'm trying to find a good balance between maybe ones that people expect the bestsellers and also a little more under the radar stories as well. How many do you put on your annual list? Like with the list you're working on right now for 2021, how many titles go on that? 
So it's going to be 20 titles and I split it from genre. So I focus on more contemporary women's fiction, but I just use the kind of more generic contemporary fiction and then thrillers and historical fiction. And those are kind of the three I I really target. And I thought about putting some nonfiction on there, but I think I might do that for a monthly list because I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know the nonfiction yet, how much they're interested in, you know, are they really reading these kind of nonfiction self-help books or is it more fiction? From my understanding, it seems to be more fiction. So I think I don't want to get too many genres on there and too overwhelming. So I think kind of narrowing it down to those three usually work. It worked last year. So I'm like, I I think it'll, it'll be good again this year. Do you do 20 in each genre or 20 total and it's split between the three genres? Uh, so it's 20 total split okay. between the, the three. That's what I thought, but then I wasn't sure as you were talking about it. So, in, and what I find, like when I'm doing these roundups for She Reads and I'm looking at most anticipated nonfiction for 2021 or most anticipated historical fiction, you don't always see those books that are going to come out late in 2021. There's not a ton of push for October, November, December of 2021 yet. I kind of get to about August and then you don't see a ton more unless it's just some huge author that they already know it's coming. And so then I have to kind of update toward the end of that year. Do you find the same? Yeah. So something I learned, so the 2020 list was the first time I did a big list for the year. And I looked at it and thought, wow, so it ended in June. (laughs) I think the last one I had on there was probably the Emily Giffen one. And we have this all these other months. So what I'm going to do this year is continue to to update it. That's why I don't want to get it too. I mean, 20, I feel is already kind of long, but I don't want to get too many at the beginning because I do want to update it throughout the year. And I also do a summer list too. So I already put some in the summer. I mean, isn't it crazy that we already know what's going on this summer? I was thinking, oh my gosh, there's so many good books coming out in the summer. I kind of want to start reading that now, <laughs> but you know, we're all, we're still in 2020. I'm still trying to read books from 2019, 2018. <laughs> exactly. It's such a project, you know, trying to balance all of that, I find. I know, I know it, it is, but that is something I, I'm going to be doing different this year is to, to continue to update the list. That way, you know, everyone gets involved, but, and then also do these month lists too. So yeah, the, the, the list posts are good. I mean, it's good for me to just be like, okay, I can't wait to read these. <laughs> so it's also a personal, personal TBR as well. <laughs> No, I agree. And that's what I like so much about it is that I come across these books I would have never known were coming out. And that's actually been one of my favorite things about the podcast is I have been introduced to so many authors that I didn't know before and read all sorts of books that I was not even familiar with at all that were not on my radar. So it's great when it expands your horizons. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Definitely. No, that's really neat. Well, what's your favorite part of doing book club chat? So my favorite part is, you know, after reading the, the stories, is really writing the questions. So how I prepare for it, I have these little tabs that I, I got on Amazon, these little bookmarks, and I will save spots that I think are important parts of the story, or maybe want to quote later, or even just that I'll need to reread. So the books usually have just a ton of tabs in them. And then I I go through that and kind of reread parts and see what lends itself to a good question. And so definitely the questions is what I enjoy the most with it. I do the same thing when I'm reviewing a book for Book Reporter. I have those little tabs and I'll just mark anything that I think is super relevant or that I want to quote from or that I want to remember. Like if it's a collection of essays, I kind of mark the ones that were my favorite. So it's a great way as I'm going back, trying to put my review together to be like, oh yes, here's where this particular story was, or I really liked his quote here. It's a great way to kind of keep up with it. 
No, definitely. That's really neat. You do that too. It's very helpful. Although sometimes it's funny. Sometimes then I'll share, you know, I'll do the tab and I'm like, why did I share this section? Why did I think <laughs> yeah, I need exactly. to go back? Oh yes. I know. I, I do that sometimes too. I'm like, I don't really know why I marked that. Well, do you have a least favorite part of, of the process? Yeah. So the reviews, sometimes I struggle with, to be honest. So for the book of questions, how I present, I guess, the information, I mentioned those spoilers because I don't want anyone to go to it and read the questions before they've read the book. So I really try to emphasize it. And before I get into the questions, I also have my spoiler thoughts about it where I can really feel I can be talk freely about the book. But the reviews, I keep them spoiler free because I have kind of the mindset this could be maybe someone's reading that thinking maybe they could read it for their book club, but I don't want them to see a spoiler. And so some reviews come to me really easily and I'm able to have all this content and then others, I just, gosh, like I I just don't have a lot to say about this book. I can say it in my little paragraph before I get into the book club questions, but I I just think, oh, I can't write a whole blog article about it. So it's kind of gotten more, okay, if it doesn't really lend itself to a full review, it's okay. I don't have to. I can talk about it in the book club questions. Most of the time I'm, I'm able to, but yeah, it, it's kind of funny to me. I, I think starting the site, I wouldn't have expected that, but it's just sometimes you think, what more can I say? <laughs> Well, I like the way you do the spoiler free part and then the spoilers. So I always do that. I go and read your review first and then I look at the spoilers before I'm looking at the questions. And I think that's great, especially if you haven't read the book. Yeah, because, oh gosh, I mean, I think about how many movie, because I used to read movie reviews a lot and there were so many where I got spoiled. (laughs) You're like, I haven't seen the movie yet. I just wanted to know if it's something that would be good. And I've seen it with books too. I get really cautious with even looking at reviews and I know that that can kind of happen with Instagram too where you see spoiler like I haven't read it yet so you try try to avoid it when possible well for me and it's the weirdest thing with the reviews it's almost like a mental block sometimes like I don't want to sit down and write the review but then once I sit down and I get going I'm totally fine most of the time and sometimes I still encounter what you're saying and I'm like okay what am I going to write but other times I get going and I'm fine but it's just that mental block to sit down and actually it, do it is it. you know I think it's a lot to read the book and absorb everything that was in it and to really think about what stuck out to you sometimes it's you need time, I think. And that's something that I've, I've learned for me personally that sometimes, and I think it's just kind of my, my journalist background, trying to crank things out, <laughs> you know, as they say, crank things out really quick because of deadlines and such. I, I learned to be, and to take a pause with it and think about the book more because I felt that say you read the book and then try to do a review right after. I mean, it was just kind of, but your mind's kind of all over the place, but then you kind of need to focus on what was the, the key aspects. But the, key though is not to wait too long. (laughs) I was just going to say that. But then I wait too long and I'm like, what what exactly did I like about that book? And you know, and I have so many thoughts at the beginning. So yes, it's definitely a fine line. Like give it a couple of days, see what's sticking with you, what Mm -hmm. you're still really thinking about, but don't wait so long that when you go to sit down, you're like, okay, now some of the little details have left me, even though I know I love the book. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a balance. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely is. Have your reading preferences changed over time or do you still focus on the same genres. I know you answered that a little bit because if somebody sends in like untamed the same book over and over that you thought you wouldn't read, but just generally has, has any of this influenced your reading preferences? You know, I think actually what was a big difference for me was really embracing historical fiction. I know that's something we have a shared love for. I did read some prior to starting Book Club Chat and, and being more involved in the book community, 
But I, I felt that I wasn't even maybe aware of it, if that makes sense. I, I don't know. I remember reading The Nightingale and books like that and just thinking, oh, I really like that. And then when I kind of I guess, joined this book community to really realize there's a whole big world of historical fiction, I think that's something that's been really great for me personally. So that, that's been, I guess it's been a really good change. And then I still read the contemporary, the literary fiction. And I guess I read maybe a little more thrillers than I normally would. And I'm always on the fence of what I think about thrillers. <laughs> you know, I'm the same way. We share that. That I'm like, okay, you know, yeah, I just struggle with so many of them because I am yeah. such a literal person. So Me I'm like, too. there is no way that would happen. Or there is no way someone would say that or do that. And I just get really hung up in that. And it just makes, it takes <laughs> yeah. the fun out of reading those books for me most of the time. Oh, me too. If it's not a really good mystery component, you know, I just kind of, oh gosh, <laughs> it just, it's a struggle. Well, and I think it's a genre and I think this has happened in other genres over time. And we'll talk a little bit about the publishing industry, but I think something does well and then 6,000 books follow it. And so I just think it's sort of an overdone genre mm -hmm. right now. You know, there's just so much of that out there and there's only so many stories that can be told. I know. So I was looking at 2021 and I saw Paula McLean. I loved The Paris Wife. She's written this really great historical fiction. It looks like she wrote a mystery. I saw she had a new novel out. And I was thinking, oh, it's going to be historical fiction. And then I saw this mystery. I mean, I love her writing, so I I, I want to read it. But it's just, I was like, gosh, this genre is really overtaking the book industry. <laughs> yes. No, it has. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just kind of interesting. Back to historical fiction, I feel like there's a huge group that reads it. And there's really kind of two parts of historical fiction. And so part of what I'm going to say here, I think kind of goes toward that. But I think sometimes historical fiction gets a bad rap, which I can't ever understand because a lot of really good writers like Kristen Hanna and Paula McLean and numerous other Fiona Davis. But then I think also there's all of that historical fiction romance. And to me, they're very different. Like yes. I'm not reading the, and, and, you know, not knocking either one, but I'm not really a romance person. So there's all that kind of bodice ripping historical fiction romance. And then there's the a true historical fiction where they're looking at World War II or the Depression or whatever the storyline is. And a lot of those stories are fabulous. And I just sometimes think that it's a shame they're not separated out a little more. Oh, that's such a good point. Yes. I think that some people do get resistant to historical fiction, maybe thinking it's going to fall in this romance category that's not you know obviously has their big audience but isn't for everyone. That's not really what I read. I, I like the historical fiction that has the really great historical component because you learn. I mean, it really is the genre where you can learn about real life events and women of history that were not ever featured. You know, we didn't learn about in class or anything. And I can't tell you how many times I've read a historical fiction novel and then just done a bunch of research. And so I think, I think it's really such a beneficial genre. So that's, there's so much with it. That's good. And the writing is always really stand out too. So I'd love to see that become no, maybe a bit more mainstream and not just mainstream in the sense of a couple of the best-selling authors, which is great. They're, they're all great, but that's something where I have noticed with the site that the historical fiction isn't as popular as the other genres. And I would love to see them embrace it because <laughs> I would love the genre. No, I agree. Cause I think it's an important genre and I think you do learn a lot. And even like so many stories from World War II, I think have come out where people know so much more about them from historical fiction, like Kristen Harmel's book about 
forgers. And I just think it's a really important genre. And people sometimes get tied, well, I'd rather read nonfiction. But so many of those books are decently dry. And, you know, historical fiction, at least, is moving along at a good pace. And there's other parts to the story. So I think it just depends on what you like to read. And I do think people are reading it more and more. But it is interesting. There's so many different views on it. Mm-hmm. No, no, it really is. It really is. So yeah, we'll see with, with 2021. I, I got to go back to those celebrity book clubs. If Reese is going to pick it, they're going to, a lot of people will read it. So hopefully they will be yeah, the celebrities. Maybe they can pick some more historical fiction and we can get it more in the mainstream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you find that her book club is the one that people follow the most or which of the clubs do you see people really anxious and eager to see what they pick? It really seems to be Reese. So I, I've done Reese's books. I do uh, Jenna with Today Show. I've done a couple Oprah picks. American Dirt is, I think, one of the most trafficked book club questions I, I did this year. But Reese overall, I would say consistent, it's the Reese pick. The other ones will kind of be up and down, I think, depending on the book that they choose. I've been surprised there haven't been people jumping in quicker because I do agree with you. You know, It's just like we're talking about publishing trends. I think when something takes off, there are a ton of people following behind. But those are the two that I follow, Reese and Jenna's picks, and I, I like them both equally well. I would have definitely guessed with Reese because hers immediately hit the New York Times. And I think she does a great job with her website. She incorporates all of that different content. Alka Joe, she actually talked a lot about that when I was interviewing her for the podcast that keeps them in line, you know, and says, we're going to reach out to you when your paperback comes out, we'll help promote it and continues to kind of work with the authors and they get to help introduce the next month's pick. I just think she's really created a great system and everything about it. It's just a lot of fun to watch it all. Yeah, you definitely can see that there's passion behind it. Uh, yeah, I think it definitely makes sense that there's really a good community with it. It's not just pick the book and maybe one interview and that's it. So I, I think it's good. And I think, too, it's just a lot of people just like Reese and she's been in movies for a long time. It, it seems to be a lot of a lot of thought behind all the decisions that they make. I agree. And she's always highlighting strong women, which I love too, but definitely. And they rotate genres. And no, I I think she does a really fabulous job, which is probably why it's taken off so well. So we're kind of talking about trends. What kind of trends have you seen in the publishing industry recently? Yeah. So it's definitely been an an interesting year. You saw books kind of get delayed, but Probably the biggest takeaway is after the Black Lives Matter, the the protests, and just people really looking at what they've read and kind of thinking that the publishing industry needs to be more (laughs) inclusive and not exclusive. And I think that that's a trend that I hope to see continue and kind of even notice she's changed her picks a little bit. And, you know, I do think there was always a, a thought behind it, but with her, I believe it was the July pick where she had the guest list, but then she also had the I'm Still Here, which was a, a memoir of a Black woman living in the U.S. And it's a book that was kind of quiet under the radar that just opened it up to a bigger audience. So I, I hope that's something that continues where we see more diverse authors, more books where people feel included. But it seems to be that the publishing industry knows that they need to evolve and change and see the changing dynamics of the country and make sure that it's being, you know, everyone's being represented as best as they could. So that, that to me seems the biggest takeaway of this year. 
I think so too. The other takeaway that I have noticed is that particularly with Penguin Random House is that they're doing very few printed galleys. And so Mm -hmm. if you want to read their book ahead, so much of the time you've got to read it electronically. And I just don't read a lot electronically. I read some, but not nearly as much as I read regular books. Now, some of that seems to be swinging back a little bit now, stabilizing with the pandemic and understanding some of the different issues and supply lines. But still, it's interesting that a lot of times somebody will reach out to me about a book and they'll either say you can have the net galley version of it or you can wait on a finished copy, but there aren't printed galleys. Yes, I have noticed that. And for me, with the questions, it's a, it's more difficult to do the ebook, the Kindle, than it is with the printed, as we mentioned, because I love having those tabs to be able to save spots and everything. But yeah, that, that is, seems to be different. And I have noticed just readers in general seem to be kind of embracing the ebook a little more than before. I, I remember seeing a lot of people were buying Kindles. I think it was because of for a while, people weren't even able to get books. I think there's been the adjustment period. So I don't know if that's going to be a a long trend because I still think everyone, I think in the most part, people like reading the printed books and it's kind of a little more back to normal and people can go into their bookstores and spend hours there and look at different copies. I think, you know, nothing will ever replace that. And it definitely seems like that's swinging back some from just seeing different stories, knowing how Murder by the Book is doing, but also the strand when they were saying they needed help and, you know, they had like 25,000 orders in a day. I think that people, now that they've kind of gotten some of that worked out and warehouses are back open and people are understanding how to operate with the correct procedures in place during the pandemic, that it's smoothing out a little bit, but it's just been interesting. And it still sometimes will really guide what I'm reading because I just don't like to read electronically very much because I spend so much time already on the computer and everything, I'd rather just have a regular book. Mm -hmm. So I'll be like, well, I guess I can't read that one right now, you know? So I'm kind of curious to see how that will all play out Mm long-term. I've I've had that too, where I just think, I don't feel like the Kindle today. I'm just going to, I'm just going to get this printed copy. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, before we wrap up, I would love to hear what you have read recently that you would recommend to everyone. Yes. So I have recently read The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, and I just loved this book. Have you read it yet? I need to. I have seen it everywhere, and I really like his books, and it's on my list, but I have not. So the only other book I've read from his was The How to Stop Time, and I didn't I liked it, but I didn't love it. <laughs> it kind of had some issues with it. I highly recommend if, if you haven't yet. I just, it, it was, I feel like I read it at the perfect time too. Sometimes these books are what you need at the, at the right time. And so I really enjoyed that one. And then another one that it's another, you know, mainstream book, but The Book of Two Ways by Jodi Picoult. I really liked it. Now, again, spoiler free. So I got curious what people thought of about this book and some story choices. So I did read reviews and I kind of, I guess, I wouldn't say there's controversy, but there was a little, I don't know, people had a little bit of issue with, I guess, some story choices. But for me, honestly, it didn't bother me. And I was surprised. Isn't that funny where there's sometimes there are story choices where you're thinking, oh, you know, why did they make that? And other times you're, it doesn't bother you. I don't know. It, it's interesting. But I, I did like that one. It is very focused on Egyptian history. I learned a lot about it. Maybe it goes a little too much sometimes. It, it's a long story. So just kind of be aware of that. There might have been a little skimming when it went <laughs> a little too into it. But I really appreciate that you did the research for it. And I mean, it's such a, a different topic. And it truly took you to a different place. The, the setting is really great with that one. Well, she's definitely willing to take on challenging topics, which I admire. I have not read many of her books. We did one of them for book club in the last year, probably more like a year and a half. I'm terrible with time. The one about 
I can't even remember now. I'm not even sure I finished it. And I've read the one that was kind of based on the Columbine shooting, but I'm not in the mother, my mother's daughter, daughter's keeper, that one. But those are probably the only ones I've read by her. So I actually hadn't read a lot of hers either. I only had read, gosh, I really think I've only read one other, The Spark of Light. Um, I didn't, and I didn't love that. This is from what I, I can tell of her previous stories. This is very different. This is a little more contemporary fiction as in, I don't know, I guess how am I describing it? It's just, it, it doesn't really take on social issues. It's really more of a personal story, a relationship heavy story. I guess that's probably a better way to put it. I think it's a little different than what she's normally done. And I, I think both are great book club books too. I think, I mean, especially when you have a story where it doesn't always go where you expect. And if people don't always agree with author choices, I think that makes for good discussion, <laughs> you know, because you have people on both sides of the aisle on it. So that's why I think that one's especially like a really good one for book clips to, to check out. Just got to get through some Egyptian, Egyptian history. <laughs> well, my in-person book club that I have here that we've had for about five or six years, we laugh because the book that we discussed the most by far was a book that almost nobody liked. And then we ended up actually naming our book club after <laughs> it because it was just so funny. The discussion was just so hilarious. But I think you're right. I mean, sometimes when you don't like a book, there's more to talk about than when everybody's like, yeah, that was a great book. So. Exactly. Then so you might have someone that's really pulling for it. And then everyone else is, you know, but it's good. It, it leads to, and then, you know, they'll bring up different points where I didn't really think about it when you were reading, like, okay, I could kind of see where you went with that. <laughs> so no, it's good. So I haven't read as much historical fiction this year as I've wanted. We had this great talk about it and I'm thinking, oh gosh, it's been a while since I've read any historical fiction. So what would you say are some of the books that you'd recommend to check out with historical fiction that you've read? Well, you know how much I love historical fiction, so I always have to sit here and ponder and think, okay, which were my favorites? But I just recently wrote a roundup for She Reads, kind of my top, I think it was 15 or 16 that I loved for 2020, but I will not go through all of those right now. But some of the ones that were my favorite were Miss Graham's Cold War Cookbook by Celia Reese. Have you seen that one? I don't think I have, actually. I think she's a British author, and she's normally written YA, and this was her first adult book, I'm pretty sure. And it's about post-World War II Germany and what was happening there after Germany lost the war and trying to kind of get back on solid footing and the spy networks and the Fifth Reich, which was trying to still kind of rise up again, uh, is fascinating. One of the best books I have read, definitely in my top 10 reads across all genres for the year. And everyone I've recommended it to has come back and talked about how much they liked it. So that was definitely one of my favorites. And then The Mountain Sing by Win Phan Quay Mai about Vietnam. That is a beautiful book. She is a Vietnamese poet, and she has normally written in Vietnamese. And this is her first book to write in English. It is just beautiful. And it just talks about Vietnam from the 1920s up until the 1980s. And I just loved it. Definitely just such an amazing book. And then the third is We Came Here to Shine by Susie Orman Schnall. And it's about the 1939 New York World's Fair. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Oh, those all sound so good. Okay. So I will make sure and add those to the list. I will move them up top. And the other one for your 2021 list, I don't know if you have it on there, but I'm already just telling everyone they must read it, is The Invisible Woman by Erica Roebuck. It's about Virginia Hall. So there was a book out, I think either this year or last year by Sonia Purcell, I think was her name. And it was the nonfiction version of Virginia Hall's story. And so Erica is writing the historical fiction version. And it is so good. It's about this American who is a spy in France, mainly during World War II. And it's just amazing. Oh, 
okay, good, good. I'm excited. Yay. (laughs) So it was one of those I just could not even put down. You know how you just get so engrossed in a book, you don't want to do anything else, but go sit down and read it. Like I have to hide from my kids, lock my bedroom door, (laughs) you know, like I'm busy. So it's one of those kind of books that it was hard to set down. So I'm excited for her because I think it will be a big hit. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Yay. Good. Well, I've just loved chatting with you. I always love chatting with you, but thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Thoughts from a Page podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been so wonderful talking with you. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. Thanks to KP Regan for the sound editing, and I hope to see you next time. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard note.